listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast where people with all abilities and challenges can stand out from the rest, even if they've got to sit down to do it. I'm Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and it's time for this show to take flight. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast that gives people with all abilities and challenges a chance to stand out from the rest, even if you've got to sit down to do it. I am Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and my guest with me is an accidental advocate, a person with spina bifida, a thantomatologist, and a wonderful human being. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sarah Sharp. Sarah, how are you? Hey, Ben, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, to start off your journey, can you describe what it's been like living with spina bifida over the years? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a wild ride, I think is the best way to put it. I was born with spina bifida myelomeningocele, which is the most severe form of spina bifida that you can be born with. But I was born with really the the most, I guess you could say, easygoing form of spina bifida in that as it relates to the all the complications you can be born with, mine were minimal at best. And so for someone who was born with a, such a complicated disorder, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of issues growing up and had a very normal, well-adjusted childhood that just happened to involve a lot of doctor's appointments and surgeries, but really didn't think much of it. I can relate to that totally because I was born with cerebral palsy, so I can relate to having many physiotherapy appointments and many doctor's appointments, not so many surgeries, but I can relate to it being, okay, just a normal part of your life. Absolutely. I was really raised to believe that I was just like anyone else. And it really wasn't until I got into the elementary school years where I was kind of looking at my peers and wondering why I was so different and why I wasn't involved in the same kinds of sports and after school activities as the other kids that really started to dawn on me that I was different. And that had a really deep impact on me emotionally, but I had such a strong foundation at home that I really have nothing but happy memories and was very well adjusted for everything that was going on. I am so glad to hear that because that's not the same story for everybody, unfortunately, because kids can be cruel. Absolutely. And I, I definitely had my fair share of that growing up. I went to elementary school in a very, very small parochial school setting, Catholic, and I was by far the most interesting person, I would say, in terms of life experiences in that school and had lots of questions and lots of cruelty. Um, but, you know, that was something that I often used as an opportunity to educate those around me, even from a very young age. And I found that to be a, a great coping mechanism in getting through those challenging years. Right. Opening up people's mindsets to, yes, you're different in terms of having spina bifida, but you are just as capable of living a meaningful life as anyone else. Which leads me to, why did you decide to share your own experiences when you wrote your book, uh, the Ability Therapy Elf Health? Yeah. So, you know, I've always enjoyed writing and I've kind of always been one of those people that 
didn't really have a great attention span. And every time I would sit down and try to write out my story, it was just too long and too detailed. And one day I came across these little books called the Elf Help series, had the cutest little illustrations of elves. And each page was just a couple sentences long, some encouraging thoughts and ideas to help you get through a a specific scenario in your life. And they already had one that was sort of geared towards individuals with disabilities, but I found that it didn't really resonate with my experience as a person with a disability. So I wanted to give voice to those unique experiences and sort of the difficulties that I've gone through in my life, which is what led me to write Elf Help Ability Therapy. And it was just the most fun experience you can imagine. I'm so glad I had that opportunity. And it had to be so fulfilling in the sense that, okay, there was one book already written with someone's individual disability, but each individual case is so unique. So for you to get that out there, that had to feel so fulfilling. It did feel so fulfilling. And, you know, spina bifida is actually considered to be what you would call a snowflake condition in that no two cases of spina bifida are alike. There's so much variation in lived experience. Uh, in every way imaginable, that it's just important to me that there was something out there that sort of touched on every possible experience someone could have as an individual with a disability and not just tell the story of what it's like to live with spina bifida. You have had a very interesting life and you seem to be a very lively, happy, motivated person. So what made you decide to be a thantomatologist or someone that studies the dead people? It's it's thanatology, which is the sociological and scientific study of death and dying, grief and bereavement. And I have just always been a little bit of an odd duck. I've always been kind of an outsider. I've been a little bit of a, a loner and an introvert most of my life. And to me, there was this sort of untapped potential of explaining the grief and complexity that can come along with not just being the parent of a child with a disability, but being the individual with grief and complex emotions can change over time based on the things that you go through. And so that's really what my focus was in graduate school was the complex uh, grief associated with being born with a disability and having to navigate uncharted territory, being going someone who's going through that for the first time with or without guidance. It's very complicated. Right. And the same thing can be said about any parent that has a child with a disability, because there's going to be a certain point when they take it all in the child's home, they realize, oh my goodness, there's a part of my child's life that he's never going to have that I've had. There's a part of his life that's going to always be different. So it's not quite like death, but it's almost like a part of them does die. But at the same time, eventually you can get past it. Absolutely. And I think the the best way to get past it is to give a voice to the unique experience that you're going through and to allow the individual experiences to shape who you are and not necessarily just look towards others to guide you in the right direction with what you're going through because your experience is your own. So it's really important to have that toolbox of coping strategies and understanding to help get you through those moments in life. Absolutely. Without experience, 
and guidance, you really can't live a full life because you can only use guidance up to a certain point before you need life experience to be able to figure out who am I, what's best for me, what am I going to do next? Which brings me to my next question for someone who is struggling with spina bifida, even though it is a birth condition, it's not an easy thing to live with for anyone. What advice would you give to a young person who's living with your with the version of spina bifida, whether it's the one you have or an entirely different case? That's a great question. I think the best life advice I could give somebody at this stage of my own life is to realize that you don't have to get to a certain age to be your own best advocate in life. And the earlier you can start speaking up for yourself and asking questions and questioning the things that, you know, physicians and surgeons and other kinds of helpers in your life are recommending that you do, the stronger you'll be as an adult, because you'll understand that even as a child, you do have choices. There are many options available to you that impact you forever in one way or another. So it's really important to have a deep understanding as well as a confidence level to have these sorts of conversations and make lifelong decisions, you know, at a very young age. So I guess to sort of simplify what I'm saying, you know, understand the value of your own voice and use it as early and as often as you can. Right. Understanding not only that you have the option to do whatever you want, but understanding that no matter how hard it's going to be, how painful it could be, you are worth it. And only you can really tell yourself that because you can hear it from a million and one different people, but it's only going to kick in when you tell yourself that. Absolutely. And the other part of that is, you know, it's not just the good experiences in life that shape you and make you stronger. It's also the more challenging things that you're going to experience. So don't make decisions to try to shy away from the bad things happening. Sometimes it's really valuable to allow those things to take place and shape you into a completely different person than you ever expected. And that can also be done from a very young age. Exactly. It's amazing how the combination of great experiences and terrible experiences can mold you into a complete human being. But speaking of different experiences, prior to when you auditioned to be on the show and you filled out the form, there was at one point where you wrote that you went from being completely dependent on your family to slowly growing into your own independent individual. Can you describe kind of that process and when you realized, you know what, I needed help then, I don't need it now. I can live my own life. Yeah, that was a really pivotal moment for me. And I remember it so clearly. It occurred in 2014. And I, like many other people with disabilities, had a really codependent relationship with my parents and really just kind of allowed decisions to be made on my behalf and wasn't as much of an active participant in my own care as I could have or should have been. And I really reached a point after graduating with my graduate degree where I was struggling to find employment and I had gone to, I think over a hundred interviews and was rejected at every place I went to felt completely hopeless and really just kind of gave in to the feelings of helplessness and sort of started this downward trajectory that I couldn't really seem to get out of. And I remember vividly one night woke up in the middle of the night, 
drenched in a cold sweat in a panic and felt like my life was just going nowhere fast. And I remember I sat up in bed and felt as if something otherworldly was speaking to me and said, you need to move. You need to start a new life where you are the focus. You are in control. And uh, shortly thereafter, I got myself a U-Haul and packed up my life and moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And that really was the beginning of a new day for me. Hey, my fellow standouts, it's the Rolling Dragon, Ben and Dykstra, here to ask you a couple of questions as we've reached the halfway point in our program. Has life thrown you a curveball? Have you lived with what many people would consider unfortunate circumstances or unique challenges? How have you turned them around into something positive for yourself and for others? Is it your time to stand out from the rest? Well then, register as a guest at www.rollingdragonmedia.com and get ready to stand out from the rest. And now, wow, the rest so just of our in story. that moment by yourself after waking up from a cold sweat, you just had this moment of I am in control. I am having the I am able to do what I want with my life. And to be honest with you, I had the exact same similar experience when I was done with college. That feeling of what the heck am I going to do next? Because you try and apply and apply and you're frequently getting rejected from jobs and you slowly start to feel like, well, there's not really a place for me. So that's when I started this podcast. You make your own. You don't wait for someone to give you a position and a job and an opportunity. You have to make your own. You absolutely do. And sometimes the greatest things, at least in my own life, and it sounds like in yours as well, come from making these snap decisions that really are just the culmination of so many experiences where you just realize I'm the one who has the control here, but you have to take it. You have to take advantage of these opportunities and ideas. It's far too easy to sit on them and not move forward in life. And I'm just so grateful that I took that leap because that's not typically the kind of person that I am, but boy, did it just unleash a world of opportunity. Absolutely. And it unleashed an opportunity for personal growth. But back on the topic of taking the leap, unfortunately, in uh, 2018, I believe it, that's correct. You were unfortunately the victim of malpractice, for which for those who are listening is basically when a medical procedure or a surgery goes wrong and you sustained nerve damage in your body because you were trying to get something corrected for your spina bifida, I believe. And then you, after experiencing that, you decided, you know what, I'm going to research and look for the best medical teams that I can think of, and we are going to go on a journey together. So what made you decide to go on Instagram and document that journey? Because that takes a lot of guts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I have a tendency to be a really private person. I am not the best at, at sharing the things that are going on in my life because I have a real insular approach to handling difficult situations. And in doing so and reaching out for help in the moments when I needed it most, I realized that there were so many other people struggling, just like me, who were finding little nuggets of wisdom from my circumstances that were helping them. So although all of this did begin, as you mentioned, kind of around 2018, 
it's really just been within the last couple of months that I've felt encouraged to start my Instagram page and document this journey because it's, it's been just one thing after another, truly since 2017, um, where I feel like the culmination of these events and the amount of just sheer effort that it takes to ensure that you have the best medical team on board who understands spina bifida as an adult, that has been such a difficult thing to navigate. I can only imagine how other adults with spina bifida are handling it because it can be, it can be a really tangled web and you've got to be completely dedicated to work your way through it. It's quite a challenge. Absolutely. And on conditions like spina bifida, cerebral palsy, there needs to be more research done. More cases need to be studied because every individual and every case of spina bifida is like a snowflake. Like you said, snowflake condition. No two conditions of a physical or a mental health condition are exactly alike. That's so true. And the other component of it for spina bifida in particular that maybe is similar with cerebral palsy is there's a lot of focus and research done on the pediatric populations. But because up until, you know, maybe 25 years ago, most adults with spina bifida were, you know, dying in their 40s and 50s, there wasn't a whole lot of research done into the changes that occur in the body as an adult with spina bifida. And so they've been applying these same ideas and principles of healthcare that they do with the pediatric patients to the adult population which is not always quite as beneficial with the adults. And so it leads into these issues that are created in adult populations within a healthcare system that's ill-equipped to take care of those issues. Exactly, because uh, pediatric and adult are two very different things. More developed brains physically in adults versus in pediatrics, bigger bodies to work on, different bone structure. It's amazing what the actual difference is once you sit down and you think about it. So in 2022, as this year is coming to a close, when this is recording, but it'll air in January, what are you looking forward to with your medical team the most as you head into your journey of getting all of your damage repaired in 2023? What more can we see from you and your recruitment team in the new year? Great question. What can you expect to see from me? I hope that you can expect to see that I am thriving in a new body that requires a new kind of care and attention than I've ever given myself, which I think is a big part of why I was even led to this moment. You know, so much of my life has been just make it from day to day. And with all of these health issues, the biggest thing now is it's not just about making it from the day to day. It's about creating this really solid foundation so that you don't have to survive on a day to day basis. You can actually look forward to the future and plan and have goals and dreams. So I really hope that what you see is that I'm thriving, I'm coping better, and I'm sharing coping strategies that will be utilized by other people who are not even going through the same thing as me, but who are maybe just in a really dark place physically and emotionally and feel like they're at their wits end, but then realize they still have the power. It, it doesn't matter what's happening to your body. 
it's what's in your mind. It's what's in your soul that carries you through. And that's what I hope you'll be seeing from me next year. I certainly look forward to seeing that. And I know that our listeners will look forward to seeing that. But one more thing, you mentioned that it's all in the mind, your mindset, and it's all in your soul. What you decide to do, regardless of what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And this is a question I ask everybody, because just like spina bifida, cerebral palsy, each individual person and case is different. I can't stress that enough. But how do you practice self-care when you're by yourself? From a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, how do you practice self-care? That's so important. And I think for me, self-care changes on a daily basis, depending on what's going on with me. But a really big thing for me is communication. Because I have a tendency to pull inward when I'm going through something difficult, a big part of self-care for me is talking about what's going on, expressing how I feel, and reaching out for support when I need it, instead of choosing to hold it all in and hoping I can just work my way through it. And so that's a big step. But then also nourishing my body in a way that is helpful physically, but then also has an emotional and psychological component to it. For me, nutrition has just long sort of been this source of, you know, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. And now I'm much more mindful about what I put into my body as it relates to surgical recovery, but I've also found in the process of trying to take care of myself more post-operatively, food nutrition has played a really big role in my mental health as well. So I would say that the way I nourish my body and the way that I communicate have really been the two biggest forms of self-care that I've been really trying to grow in terms of my approach to. Well, that is definitely an amazing change from where you used to be, because it seems to me that before you went through all of this and you went on this journey, it seems more like you were going on, okay, I'm just going to survive from day one to day two to day three, and I'm just going to do what I have to do to survive versus now you've completely opened yourself up to, I'm just not going to live. I'm going to live like I'm going to live my life to the fullest. Yeah. Live with purpose and meaning because you're exactly right. That's how I had been living my life. It was just this mindset of I've got to make it to tomorrow. Let's just try to survive until tomorrow. And a lot of hopes and dreams kind of fell by the wayside during that period of my life, which took me into a a dark place emotionally. And as soon as I was able to get past all of that and say, you know, these life circumstances right now, they're not going to be my forever home. And if I ever want to get out of this, I really need to put the focus on a future as opposed to tomorrow. And that perspective shift has really been everything. Absolutely. By setting goals up for yourself, trying to find a balance between getting your body right, getting your mind right, you can truly achieve anything. So, Sarah, you are an absolute inspiration of how you can overcome any life obstacle, be it physical, mental, or emotional. So where can people find you if they'd like to follow along on your journey or if they just want to reach out? Yeah, I am trying really hard to build a great Instagram account through my page, Ilio Synchronicity. 
ilio, I-L-E-O, which is short for ileostomy, which is part of the, the combination of surgeries I'll be having next month. And uh, the, the whole reason I named it iliosynchronicity is because in the last four to five years of my life, it's just been a strange series of events that you would never imagine would connect you to the current place that I am in life and all the amazing people who have come my way as a result. So I do hope that if anybody comes to my Instagram page, they feel an instant uh, sort of connection to community and understanding and feel like it's a safe space to talk about what's going on in their own lives. It's definitely not all about me. No, it's never really about one person, even though it is sharing your journey. The best part of life is the people and the characters and the adventures that you have along the way. And that is often the the very thing that helps you carry through really challenging circumstances in life. So I'm so grateful we live in this time where we can have podcasts and Instagram pages and share our stories and connect with one another. Because even though, you know, you and I have a completely different condition, we have a shared life experience that has so much value in terms of communicating with others and helping to bring hope that, you know, there are better days coming. And I really do believe that. I do as well. I couldn't agree with you more. Sarah, I definitely appreciate having you on the show. you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, no final thoughts other than I just appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share a little bit more about myself and really hope that if anybody is inspired to ask questions or seek support, that they'll feel comfortable to do that through my Instagram page. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Ben. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure to have you on the show, Sarah. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Sit Down Standout Show. I am Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and we shall see you next time.